Welcome back to the Auto Amateur Podcast. This is James. Another Friday, another time to talk about Porsches. What else do you want to do at the end of the day on a Friday? Or the beginning of the day? Wherever you are around the world, welcome back and thanks for supporting my podcast and my channel and everything to do with Auto Amateur. In this week's episode, uh, I'm not going to be flying solo like last week. I've got a special guest, uh, my good friend Daniel over at the YouTube channel and Instagram of the same name, Jet Fuel Only. Daniel just recently got into the Porsche world as he got himself a beautiful brand new off the production line specced to his taste GT4. It's gorgeous. And if you've been checking out his videos, he's been putting out a few about his driving experience, about his ownership experience, about his styling options. He makes great content as well. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be cool chatting with Daniel, very nice guy out on the west coast of the US. Now the reason we're getting together to talk today is to talk about autocross. Yep, to me, that just means getting a bunch of friends together in an oversized car park and driving around in circles, trying not hard, you know, trying really hard not to knock over traffic cones. To others, it's the thrill of their lives. <laughs> okay, maybe not that good, but apparently it's very good and it's very entertaining. Frankly, I can't see it, and if I'm going to go and track, I'm going to go and spend money and go to a racetrack. But maybe it's a in-between. Maybe it's maybe it's fun. Maybe I'm just not opening my mind to the opportunity. So maybe there are people out there as well that have a similar perspective to me. We're going to explore that today. Let's go check it out. I am recording and let me bring my levels down just a touch, just in case. Okay. Test, 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 test. Wait, let me do it over here. Test, test. I did this with Andy the other week, and he was like, testing, testing. James is a knob. Oh. <laughs> what a great way to get a, a podcast started. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so have you been adding to your uh, your little studio there? I can see that your gamer chair is still as baller as ever, but that's a fancy looking mic you've got in front of you. Oh, this is the one I usually put on the uh, on the camera or over my head when I do uh, dialogue stuff. Okay. Um, it does. I don't know. I think I, it's either this one or I've, I've literally got a thirty dollar microphone that I do all my voiceovers with, and it's incredible that it really? sounds good. What's yeah, thirty bucks. I I bought it twenty years ago. What really? It, wow. It's 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 like sure you know sure microphones. It's yep. like their cheapest one you can find. You know, like a microphone that you would use almost for karaoke. The only problem is it doesn't have a very strong pickup, so uh, I have to raise the levels after recording, but it sounds good. Hmm. It's, yeah. Why spend so much money? I don't know. I mean, if anybody thinks my voiceovers sound bad, I mean, let me know, <laughs> but I think it's like, uh, it just turned out to work out well, but um, I'm trying this one out today. This one's just a little hotter and might pick up a little more room tone. Uh, well, it sounds pretty good, but now I'm going to be pouring over your YouTube videos, listening for audio quality for your voiceovers. But yeah, I can't say I've ever noticed. They always sound very professional, and they, they look professional, so it's all good. Good. So uh, you got a you got a bones pick with me, haven't you? Based on my conversation with Andy recently and my comments about <laughs> autocross and Walmart, <laughs> Walmart <laughs> shopping shopping centers and car parks. I have to say, yeah, you know, go go, go ahead. You 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 start. You, you know, maybe you've got something you want to get off your chest. <laughs> No, 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 no. It's okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, so I've honestly never really thought about doing autocross, apart from the one time I 
I signed up with a bunch of friends, bought the helmet, couldn't fit in my 997 because I'm too tall with the helmet. So I just gave up. Um, that was a couple of years ago. And since then, I've been invited to track events and I haven't bothered. And I've uh, been invited to autocross and I've just thought, nah, do I really want to run around a car park and drive around in circles? I'm not, I'm not interested. But then when I went to Porsche Experience Center Atlanta a few weeks ago and got to drive on their little sort of mini track, I kind of got bitten by the bug a little bit. Like, okay, this is this is driving. This is driving a 911 and I need to get involved. And then you launched the video about autocross a couple of weeks ago. Andy, a last rasp, he put out his track video. So I was like, okay, I'm going to have to buy myself a helmet. I need to do this. I need to get into it. And then he and I were talking about tracking. And then, then he was asking about autocross and what what is autocross. And maybe unfairly, I sort of described it as a bunch of mates meeting up and driving around in circles in a parking lot. <laughs> At which point it just became too funny not to throw it under the bus. Uh, but I, you know, I'm, I'm coming into this conversation with a relatively open mind and I want to, yeah. I want to understand I mean, for people who don't know what is autocross, but I want to understand what's the, what's the attraction, what's the draw and it, is it, is it worth your while? Gotcha. Well, I, and I will admit that, it's easy to see the perception or have the perception that you or Andy have about it, that it's, you know, parking lot fun and it's not fast. And it's, it just looks like the nerds version of, of real sports, you know, uh, right. and, uh, I get it. I really do. And, uh, but, uh, you, you, someone who hasn't done it, can't completely get it until you really do it. And it, you're exactly right about going to the Porsche experience, uh, because, what they have, you know, the track isn't like a full-size track. I mean, although they have that big oval, I think I saw, but uh, the more technical part is exactly like autocross. And depending on where your your region does their events, you know, it may, like, for example, you saw in my video, they do it at an abandoned airfield. Mm -hmm. So you have two big intersecting runways to use up as space, and you basically build your own little, you know, one-minute road course. Um, and... So here's the thing about autocross. It's why is it not? Uh, and actually, let me back up just for, for the listeners, right? That are like, I'm not just going to assume everybody knows. But the idea behind autocross is that it's, the, in a way, the lowest form of competitive racing. Uh, and I say lowest form because you're never on the course with another vehicle. So there's no chance of collision. Mm -hmm. uh, you do it on a course that has basically no obstacles to hit. Mm -hmm. So it's a very safe place to practice, but it's also an officially timed event and it can go to the national level. So if you want to really compete, you can compete to a national level, win trophies, win money, get sponsored, things like that. Hmm. Um, and uh, often in the biggest autocross, you know, uh, organization is SCCA sports car club of America, which uh, solo is what autocross is, I think, as they call it, solo or solo two. Yeah, solo is autocross, and then you know SCCA has racing all the way up to you know professional stuff. You know, there's people that are in the SCCA groups that are doing like all spec Miatas on road courses, right? You know, and uh, things like that. And I, I don't follow all the different levels of SCCA, so um, so sorry if I don't speak, com you know accurately about all that but when it comes to autocross it, you know it's it's not a bunch of blokes in a parking lot as you might say you know and uh um and although yeah it can look like that because oftentimes uh autocross places use a parking lot and 
they do lay out cones and it just looks like a sea of cones and you're like well i could do this anywhere but no what changes anything right anything you do from being just messing around to being fun and challenging and competitive is when um it becomes sort of an officialized thing right and so you've got uh, the organization is running timing gear. Yeah. So everybody is super accurately timed. You're grouped into classes so that now you're like, oh, I've got some competition mm -hmm. here. And then all of a sudden that competition vibe starts getting into you. And you're like, oh, let's see, let's see if I can beat that guy, you know. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, or, or, you know, or you just do it once and you go, huh, I wonder if I can do that faster. And what's also unique about autocross is every event is a different course. Because it's flexible. It's all cones, right? Right. And so you show up. No one's seen the course. No one's got to play on their simulator at home to practice the course and be a badass on it. Uh, everyone gets to see it for the first time. Everyone gets to walk it uh, and evaluate it and decide, okay, what kind of lines would I take here? How am I going to handle this situation? Should I start this slalom on the left or the right of this first cone? And you get to make all these decisions that you learn with experience. And, you know, you only get usually about four to five, at least official runs, to try and perfect yourself through that course. Okay. And just imagine, you only have a very short, tense 30 to 60 seconds, depending on how big the course is, to make all the right decisions and learn it. And so it's very, you know... I. I, I I have to compare it to, I don't watch sports myself, but when I've sat down and watched sports with like baseball with my buddy, uh, Nick, who has a podcast by the way, uh, <laughs> but Nick tells, um, Nick is so, he knows a lot about baseball and what he taught me was there's so much more going on with every player, what's going on in their head, the situations they're expecting are likely to happen the things that maybe are second likely to happen and how they're going to handle that, the strategies involved. And I had no idea. I just thought people are whacking balls, catching them and throwing them, you know? Mm -hmm. And then when I saw that, I was like, wow, baseball is not boring anymore, if you understand it. And then you imagine playing it, then you get the rush of being there. And, and that's what autocross is to me. It's, uh, it's a very technical, a little bit cerebral. Uh, but the technical part is important because every choice you make, every steering input, to the smallest detail is, I would say, on a more micro scale than it is on a big road course. And so, therefore, it has to be precise. And you think, oh, well, I'm not going fast. I'm only doing it 30 miles an hour. I pull as many Gs on an autocross course as I do at the road course. Hmm. They're not sustained. And they're only maybe at 30 miles an hour when I'm making a very large U-turn. But mm -hmm. you are trying to manage every last bit of grip out of those tires and if you screw up well you've just screwed up your time mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. uh and if you don't push it hard enough you've screwed up your time and so you're trying to find the best bite in those tires and the shortest line possible and i mean you hear it in my voice right i'm very passionate about it because yeah. it's so much there's so much to focus on and think about um yeah so you what, what do you, you got my interest up until the point you started comparing it to baseball. And let me tell you why. Because <laughs> I understand baseball, it's still boring. And let me tell you why. Okay. Because in the UK, when you're five years old, you play baseball, but we call it rounders. And it's 
<laughs> just, just, I just can't get there. I'm joking. And now I've offended everybody that watches baseball. Um, but, you know, full-grown men wearing pyjamas, hitting a ball. I, I, just, I just can't get there. But all joking aside, um, no, I get it. I get it. So um, uh, everything you just said really interests me. And I'm a pretty competitive person myself. And I say pretty competitive because I don't want to sound like the dick that I am because I am mega competitive <laughs> oh i noticed mr second best podcast in the- um i've always yeah. been that way but so i like it now i think i'll say in many respects on paper you've sold me i get you know the the aspects of um the uncertainty the the competitive nature getting into different mm-hmm. groups and uh what did you refer to them as groups or classes or uh yeah classes yeah yeah um so you have the newbies you have the beginners intermediates advanced or you know whatever it is not even that it's mostly you still just get stuck in the class that your car fits in all the classes is is for the car um and so obviously as a newbie on street tires you'd go into a stock class but got you um, okay so all of that all of that sounds great and uh, the fact that you're going there and you're on a i guess a level playing field because no one's seen the track as well you know that that sounds pretty cool, um, but let's let's talk about like the practicality of the day because you also said another mm-hmm. thing which uh, I'm just a little worried about. So you're there for what? How many hours? Because you've just sort of suggested that you maybe have about five or six minutes worth of driving. So are you there for like it's, an hour? And that is one of the biggest complaints of autocross is compared to going to track days, seat time is uh for you know what you like i go to an all-day track day and i'll get uh a a few hours of seat time maybe you know um uh, but yeah you get literally four minutes of seat time maybe now some of our some of our events you know we'll get 10 12 runs but it all depends on the group you're running with and the the region but yeah you know the thing about autocross is uh it's it is a kind of a it's a team effort in the sense that you go and if you have to pay to play in the sense of not only do you pay to go there, but you also have to work when you're not driving. And what that means is, uh, let's say you're in group A and there's a group B. Group A gets to drive. Group B, all those drivers are out on the course chasing cones that you run over. And so there is that part of the day that most of us don't enjoy, especially in the hot summer, is that you're standing out there watching cones get knocked over, running and getting them, or radioing them into the uh, timing booth to say, hey, uh, car 405 just hit two cones on turn six, you know, but, uh, uh, and everyone knows that's not the funnest part, but, you know, you got to, to make it work, that's just what we have to do, you know, Um and, you know, some groups you'll do a run in the morning and then you'll work in the morning and then they'll have break for lunch and then everyone will run again and work again. Uh, so there's that. But yeah, you know, you you will take a good part of your day and you won't get a ton of driving in. But again, that's uh, that's just one of the things that kind of makes autocross great is like the, the very short, intense moment that this is your only chance to get it right, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, so you're there all day. Uh, are you there all day or like? Typically, yeah, I like to get there at 8 a.m. Um, and then you get done around 3 to 5, depending on the event. You know, but all regions operate a little different. But, sure. you, you know, if you have a lot of cars, because we have generally, when it's non-COVID, we, we'll have 150 cars there. Wow. COVID lately has limited us to 50 cars, so we end up staying the whole day, but we put in a bunch of runs. Some days I get like 
12 to 15 runs you know mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um and that's fun you know because then we we call the other ones fun runs and we just we just have fun and we practice and yeah. we just try to become better drivers um you know you can also go with a buddy and you guys can both drive the same car and that's kind of fun because you're you can compete with somebody in your exact in the same uh-huh. car and uh and you know the the competition thing is cool and uh but also competitiveness with yourself right you you, you knock off a 35.7 second run and you're like I know I've got a 34 in me and you know, and you're uh-huh. just fighting and then you hit a bunch of cones and there's the sadness and you're like, damn it, I ruined it. You know? And then there's the, or you, you do pull off that 34 second run and you're like, yes, I'm getting better at this. And you're, just <laughs> addi- you're addicted. So th- that all sounds, um, that all sounds good. But when, when you take a step back and you think about the fact that you're going to be there all day, mm-hmm. you're going to be stood out, picking up cones, you're paying, <laughs> you're paying to be there. And you yeah. get maybe five or six minutes in the car. I, I I've got to I've got to be honest. I just I don't think that's for me. I think I'll do it once, and I'll probably enjoy the driving. But the rest of the effort that's involved, and I, I don't want to be a bad sport, but I think that would just absolutely do my head in. It might, you know. And you're right. It could not be for everybody. Uh, make sure you also dr- take a ride with somebody else that's experienced too, because that was a big wake up call when I started doing this uh, decades ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to drive this car. I see everyone kind of drives hard. And then I went with, like, a good driver, and I just practically crapped my pants. I was like, oh, my God, that's how I'm <laughs> supposed to do it. And, oh, how did you do that with my car? Um, you wow. know, It's fun. And, you know, and then, but there are some things that, like, are wake-up calls to you, you know. Uh, and that goes for track driving, too, is you, you walk in and you see all these cars. You're like, oh, I bet I could beat that car. I bet I could beat that car. And, you you know, you learn. That it's like it's not about the car always. I mean, in autocross, yeah, you want a smaller, lighter, more nimble car generally because the track is more technical and not yeah. horsepower-oriented. But yeah. uh, although Porsches are great still for autocross. And, um, you know, but and you learn, it's like, yeah, sorry, dude. That Miata just whooped you so bad. Wow. Even though you've got 500 horsepower, you know, and, and it's like, and you learn. You're like, okay, a, I need to think about the cars in my own class, and b, those cars in my class, it's more about the driver. The biggest modification you can do in autocross is the driver and your tires. <laughs> Absolutely, wow. your tires. Okay. And that's at least in the stock classes. And then, of course, if you want to do other modifications, like you want to lower your car, you want to put in two new sway bars well now you got to move into a modified class well you move into the modified class and there's people a lot more committed to modifying than you are yeah yeah so you start to think about all right how do i want to run my car like right now i'm trying to decide on new tires for the car it's like well i have to run 200 treadwear tires or better if i don't then i have to go into the modified class and then i'm never going to catch up with those people because they're all running like thousand dollar tires and yeah you know, and so it, it does become a game gamesmanship kind of thing, and you kind of yeah. uh, a strategy, you know. And but let's let's compare it to track days for a second. Let's do that. Well, actually, before before we do that, I've got to ask. Okay. So I I run you know typically either the Pilot Sport 4S on my my 911, or right now I've got the uh, the P zeros. Um, would that put me in a stock class? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Cause the four S's are three hundred treadwear, and they're great tires, but they still won't be competitive for the people that are running the best tires they can run in stock. Okay, class, which would be similar to, well, the Cup twos, although technically not legal unless they came with your car, like they came with my GT four. Yeah, uh, because they're one eighty 
but they they are about as grippy as um bridgestone's re71 r's which just got discontinued but those are 200 turbo tires and they're um but yeah basically i'm saying is yeah people are running pretty much track tires that are no fun in the rain yeah um on their cars and and that's why a lot of people end up getting you know autocross wheels with separate tires because uh, okay i i ran those re71s on my cadillac because i autocrossed it for five years and uh uh they're noisy you know they're ex- they wear out fast because they're so s- soft you know and i i never like bothered to switch in street tires yeah to, you know and so like that, that kind of sucked and now i'm back on 4s's with the cadillac because i don't use it for the track anymore or autocross and oh god it's so nice to have quiet tires again. <laughs> Uh, so, so go on then. Let's let's put autocross against track days. Yeah. So I just did the GT4 uh, on its first track day on Monday, uh, which I'll have a video about that, of course. Uh, but you know, there are some big wake up calls. You know, and first of all, in my area at least, a track day is going to be at least two hundred fifty, maybe three hundred fifty dollars if you want to go to like Laguna Seca, where it's yeah. expensive. And yeah, there's noise restrictions and things. Okay, so that's a big chunk of money, but a track day will take the life out of your tires pretty quickly. You know, you'll get maybe three or four track days out of a, you know a good like my Cup Two tires. Uh, autocross, those tires are going to last you the entire year, hmm. and you can drive on them as your daily if you wanted to. Yeah. You know, it, it, and they still will they'll make you know at least eight to ten thousand miles. So the costs there, um, you can go through your brakes so quickly at the track because you're braking from such high speeds. Yeah. And although you're hitting the brakes extremely hard, you know, even ABSing it as much as you can in autocross, if, if the the time and heat is not enough to really like hurt your brakes. And yeah. You won't even notice a change in brake life. Um, and uh, certainly on your car overall, it, autocross is just it's just not. It doesn't put any wear on your car. I mean, uh, but track days are a completely different animal on how your car is treated. And of course, when you do screw up in autocross, you knock out a few cones. In in on the track, you know, you you risk rollover, you risk walls, yeah. you risk concrete berms. There's a lot at risk, and um, and you know, you 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 did pay a lot, but you got a ton of seat time. And it's a lot of fun. I, I will admit, it's absolutely more fun than autocross. But when I want to just drive down to this local event, 90 bucks or less maybe, and not beat the crap out of my car, have some actual competitive fun yeah. that's officially timed, autocross is like, it's it's like the neighborhood market down the street. Instead of going all the way to Costco for the big shopping event, okay. I just want to go get my lemons and bananas over here <laughs> at the corner store. And and it's very satisfying. Yeah, I know that's a weird analogy. I don't that's... know what you eat for breakfast, but it, uh, I'm not sure I want to try it. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there's a lot to learn still in autocross. And I feel like that I wouldn't do so well at track days um, because I don't have a lot of track day experience, but yeah. I don't I think I'm much better at it than I should be because I've learned a lot about in autocross about car control. Uh, it's you know really important managing front to rear uh, balance of the car yeah. and your turns, entries, and exits. And, and autocross gives you a chance to learn some of those. Yeah, you can't get all the skills because of the speeds, but um, it's it's really great. I think. And and so it sounds like the track days 
maybe you get more out of it as a driver overall, but the stakes are higher, the risks are higher, the cost is higher, the the sort of the pounding your car takes is greater. What, what what are the logistics like for the day? Again, Mister Convenience over here. Can you can you rock up at your track time and do your laps and then disappear, or are you, are you there for the day? When you go to the track, yeah. Um, yeah. You, usually, it's an early morning start. Uh, get there by seven a.m. at least here, uh, and you can always leave whenever you want. You don't have to work. That is true. It's nice. Um, you know, you you uh, there's usually like five groups, and so when your time goes up, you go and and uh, race or whatever for 20 minutes and then you usually get at least 20 minutes to an hour break so your car can relax and yep. then you go out again and you might get five four to five sessions um okay. just where i go so you know that's over an hour of track time um i think i got six sessions in on monday it was a special day where we had access to two tracks so we were just doing back-to-back oh, wow. stuff and i i think i did over 150 miles on the track wow. that day and uh but i also was like man, I bought this GT4 thinking I was going to do more track days. And then I started feeling really bad about how it was being treated. And, and now I'm like <laughs> shopping, for, I'm shopping for track wheels and I'm yeah. like, you know, um, so how did your GT4 but, handle up? Did it come back with any rock chips or dings or squeaky brakes? You know, do, it sounds like you're feeling like you abused it a little bit. <laughs> um, you know, there's always the opportunity where you might drop a wheel off the track, and there's always an opportunity to like, you know, you could hit 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 the concrete berms. You could uh, get a lot of dirt in the car. Yeah. You know, like I was trailing a guy in a boxster, and he was good, but he was getting loose a lot, and he kept like um, dropping a wheel off, and he'd knock a whole bunch of rocks right in my face because I'm right behind him. Oh, and waiting you, you for got the windows let, down let as well, pass. right? Yeah, that sucks. And and where I'm at, if you go off track and you go sliding into the dirt, you literally get a tidal wave into your window. Oh, wow! I, and I'm too OCD to deal with that, but you know it's a risk. You know, yeah. and I and I spun out once, um, and thankfully I I was I stayed on the pavement. You know, but it's like as soon as that wave of dirt comes in, you're gonna start wondering how much you want to do this <laughs> if you care about your car like that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not I'm not I'm not wealthy enough to say i should probably be tracking a car like this if people at my income level i would say are, are buying miatas <laughs> and saying oh yeah this is my track car and they've because they've learned mm-hmm. that the costs are, are very high so yeah as much as i planned to track the gt4 when i bought it i'm now thinking okay i'm gonna reel that back i'm still gonna go but it's not gonna be every month anymore i'm probably gonna do it four to five times a year okay and continue trying to be competitive with autocross where it has been and so far like now that I'm getting the hang of the car, uh, uh, the other GT4 guys are watching me close. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> which is really fun because previously, you know, I drove this Cadillac, which was, uh, it's actually a great track car, but um, it was just a little heavier than the Camaros. And so I I was always just, it was an uphill battle, you yeah. know? And so I never felt like I was, I had a fair chance against the Camaros at autocross, so... Finally, I now have a level playing field with about four other GT4s in our class, in our groups. Yeah, a couple of GT3s, and it's it's fun. That's cool. Now, as a content creator, how much opportunity is there to take some really good footage? Like, I think I thought you did a great job of that autocross event, but like, could you throw a drone up? Could you, uh, you know, could you get a little bit more creative with your GoPros? Yeah, the the drone stuff is tough. Generally, there you know, there's some rule against it. but I've seen it happen, you know, and, uh, but GoPros all over your car, however you want. Um, 
if you're gonna stand by on the sidelines to take footage, you should have a spotter with you. Just generally the rule. Yeah. Because if a car does lose control, you know you're just staring at your camera. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so you know, there's that, and I've tried to get sidetrack footage, but I need to get a zoom lens or something. Okay. And, uh, uh, and you tend to be pretty busy when you're racing, and so like adding the cameras in, you're like, oh, they they just kind of stress you out because you only get like two to five minutes maybe between runs. Yeah. Things are happening quick, but so I've got you know I get a good camera set up, and if I have a moment, I'll swap positions. And um, but I don't do a lot. You you'll you won't see a lot of autocross videos from me because well. From the viewer's perspective, it's all the same. I just see you see a car going through a sea of cones, and unless yeah. there's a story to tell, like my last episode, yeah, uh, it's not really worth it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's but I always have a camera up to review my footage between runs to say, okay, that's where I screwed up. I can uh, gain another yeah. second. You know, I can cut a second off my time right there. That's really important. But yeah. uh, generally, that footage just gets thrown out later. Yeah. Okay. So wait, I, I want to know something though. So you can fit in a car now with a helmet? Does it fit in the nine one one or what? I haven't yet tried, but I am. Oh no! I am confident. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did it. At, you did it at the Porsche Experience. Uh, no, actually, at the Porsche Experience Center, they didn't make you wear helmets, which oh. was such a relief. I was expecting to wear helmets, and uh, I didn't. Um, and I think that's ruined me now. So maybe the only tracking I'll be doing is is if I go to Porsche Experience Center once a year or whatever. Um, but you know, I, I think there's just there's so much headroom in there. I, I don't think it'll be an issue. I'll have to probably lean my chair back a little. Uh, but yeah, trying to get <laughs> trying to get into the 997 with my helmet on was like trying to watch a dog with a big stick trying to get through a door. <laughs> I can't get through. <laughs> <laughs> oh mate that was terrible no, i don't want to do that again <laughs> i and i don't know if andy told you but he posted on instagram a picture of you working on your or you know a picture of your video working on your car and he goes what is there that this guy can't do <laughs> can't fit into a 911 with a helmet on <laughs> i did see that but i did not think about that comeback <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think I, I think I will do autocross. Um, I'll, I'll definitely do it once, and I'll definitely track the car once. Now that I've had a little bit of a taste for it, but um, I, I think I know myself well enough that the whole concept of um, you know getting four or five minutes worth of driving versus spending ten times as much time or greater a hundred times as much time not driving, I think that would just absolutely do my head in. I, I think I'd rather just pick a night and do donuts in the the walmart shopping center <laughs> like andy suggested yeah. i mean yeah that that is fun you know speaking of that this last track day i i something i want to learn more of is car control beyond the limits like when your tires are breaking loose and, and you know you can say okay drifting but i don't want to go be a drifter but yeah uh at the last track event the skid pad was wide open and so i was like I'll go play and i was like so i went in there and I, I just it was my opportunity to go be a who again and yeah. who again and and just try to see if i could even do what these idiots do at intersections at night um which is really popular here where i live in oakland but, oh really yeah and it was it's I, I sucked you know i just sucked at it you know trying to maintain a drift or even a good solid donut without having it tighten up and but um 
I, I met another guy at the track and he's like, yeah, I just did this car control clinic and we did tons of time on the skid pad with some beater tires. Yeah. And he's like, he said he learned so much and that now on the, when he's on the track and he starts losing control, he doesn't feel like he's losing control. He's, he just knows how to control that situation. Oh, that's and, cool. And that's certainly something I think that's important because if you're going to be tracking your car, we talked about the risks. Yeah. You better be ready because, man, you got to react quick. Yeah. I mean, I look at the footage of my last spin out and I'm just like, oh, it's funny because I said, I said, oh, shit. Like, immediately <laughs> I knew what was happening before it was happening. Yeah. And I, I still didn't deal with it properly. And I ended up backwards on the track. And it's, yeah. it's so instantaneous. It it's is, incredible. isn't it? You, you think that you've you, got time to control it. But we, like at, at the Porsche Center Atlanta, we spent probably the most amount of time on that skid plate. And uh, you're lucky. <laughs> it's incredible how quickly you lose control of the car. And and, and uh, the, the sort of feedback I was getting from my instructor was you need to react violently if the back of your car comes out to actually get it under control. There's no, you know, there's no sort of like little turn to bring it back. You've got to really intentionally try and get that car back under control in a split second. And yeah. I, I span out more than I did to, to control it, but I felt like I picked up a few things. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that that if you get an opportunity to do that kind of driving, that kind of instruction, it's it's eye opening. Yeah, I remember the first time back in 2010, I did a, a wet skid pad for the Cadillac V Performance Academy, which was a, a one day driving school at the time, and it was the first time. And he's like, "All right." I'm going to go around this turn and then jab on the throttle. And I stepped on it and I just kind of gingerly, oh, I'll just correct slightly. Yeah. And he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what? Okay. And yeah, you you do learn. You do have to react violently and it's not just a small correction. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. And more experienced guys are probably listening to us like, yeah, you boneheads. But, uh, <laughs> hey, well, look, you know, the, I the, hope the rest of you out there can relate to us. Yeah. Well, you know, this as I constantly remind people, this is not auto professional this is auto amateur and this is <laughs> even I, I don't know what's less than amateur but if i'm an amateur in the garage i'm a super <laughs> super super amateur on any kind of track sort of scenario having said that i've done advanced driving with um law enforcement agencies um you know like chase oh, yeah, tactics yeah. and that sort of stuff yeah. and um and actually speaking of uh california i've been out on some of the uh some of the the law enforcement training courses that they have at some of their facilities that's pretty interesting and exciting but it's not it's not sort of you know how do you get yourself out of a spin it's more like how can you drive without knocking people over or seeing yeah. seeing two steps ahead so that as you're going towards an intersection you you know that you can probably go through it at 30 and instead of coming all the way down to zero anyway that was right. kind of fun because but. yeah why? Why were you doing that? <laughs> were, you a Just, were you a cop? The random things that change? I do in my career. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know. It's you know we could talk about all of that sort of stuff for for a long time, but I prefer talking about Porsche. So um, I know you got to get off to work today. Uh, let me ask you one last question: What is your next video? I have been so impressed by your last couple of videos that, that you know you, between you and Andy, you keep raising the bar and. I'm <laughs> You're leaving me behind. What What's next? Is it the track day video? Uh, yeah, it's either that or I've got another couple of how tos coming. You know, and those the how tos are obviously it's hard to make them look nice, as you know. You know, because you're just yeah. you're already just swamped trying to do the work. Yeah, and like adding cameras is such a. I at least when you do the live stuff, you just kind of leave the camera. And, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so yeah, I've got. Uh, 
the complications of the 718 GT4 oil change to, to present, okay. uh, which is still an easy oil change, but those underbody panels become an issue for most of us DIY uh. guys. Um, uh, there's some logistics involved there, uh, but uh, you know, there's that. And then, um, but yeah, the track day video, I've got to get that snapped together and uh, I need to line up a few more uh, Porsche people uh, episodes. So uh, still looking for recommendations on, on more important people of the Porsche community. Uh, the, um, but I got a couple people lined up at least for that. So uh, I, I know James has already exhausted all the most important people like Andy and Jay. And, <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, yeah, and uh, uh, yeah, so. That's cool. Yeah, of course, I, I, I'm still, you know, I've still got a lot of Cadillac content too because I've got a lot of those followers, and I know the Porsche people don't care about that, but uh, I've got lots of stuff coming there too. And you know, I've I've become more interested in Cadillac since I've been watching <laughs> your channel. Oh, I'm I'm excited. You know, the 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 new the new Blackwing V is coming, and that's a big deal in in the whole car world. It's you know, it's America's most powerful sports sedan, and uh, and people are excited about that. And I'm hope, hoping to get to see it here in the next couple of months and, and nice. do a video. But nice. It's a good daily driver for Porsche people, by the way. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is how I get people to cross yeah, over. Yeah, there you go. Porsche for a sports go. car, but if you want something fast in a sedan, uh, you can skip the Panamera. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, bud. Well, good speaking with you, and I'll catch you soon. All right, great. Thanks, James. All right, look. Autocross still sounds like a lot of faffing around for a whole day for what is a lot less time on the track. But I suppose if you look at it as a team sport, if you look at it as a opportunity to spend a day around cars and other fellow car enthusiasts, yeah, okay, I guess I can kind of get on board with it. Kind of. <laughs> I will try it once, though. I've got to try it once, and then I can make up my own mind. But I think Daniel was pretty convincing there. All right, guys, another podcast, more content coming soon. Uh, my bumper has been dropped off at the body shop to be uh, sprayed with the new Sport Cup uh, lower lip. Uh, all of the gizmos and gadgets that need to go into the bumper to get it to fit on the car are going to be arriving in the next few days as well. My steering wheel is almost back and uh, just, you know, what's next? I don't know. Help. <laughs> Take care. Get out and drive and I'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.